I'm with uh, Mustafa Hanawi, uh, who's an academic, an activist, and works with the Immigrant Workers Center in Montreal. We're on Saint Laurent Street um, at Cafe Italia, and there's some taxis passing. We're actually recording this today to talk about Uber. So, hey, hey, Mustafa. Hey, Stefan. Hey. So, okay. Um, there's a lot to be said about Uber. Um, you, I guess, just for a bit of context, you did some activism work on the ground in Toronto actually for quite some time um, around the rights of taxi drivers um, around police harassment, around work conditions, around the municipal regulations for taxi licenses and the taxi driver rights in Toronto. There's also been a big movement around taxi driver rights in New York City for a long time and also here in Montreal in the 1970s. We I'd love to talk about that also, but just to start, like, for you, as somebody who's defended the rights of taxi drivers, why is Uber a problem? Uh, I mean, Uber is a problem because it, it's the way, the, the, it's a twofold problem, the way uh, Uber is presented in sort of the public discourse uh, versus, let's say, the taxi industry. So, in, in, in one form, Uber presents itself as not a transportation company. Uh, Uber presents itself simply as a platform that connects those who need a ride with those who could provide a ride. Uh, yet, that's exactly what the taxi industry is. And the reason why uh, Uber is problematic it doesn't present anything of any new value, but has actually destroyed uh, all of the regulations, all of the value uh, that has been created by mostly working class uh, immigrants and, and, and their families. And so, uh, and Uber is not simply just a, a platform. We're talking about a multinational corporation here that operates... Uh, over 3 million rides. That means there are 3 million Uber drivers across the world. Uh, uh, that means there are 3 million cars and Uber doesn't actually own any of them, but Uber is the one that profits from all of them. And Uber has spent time and time again trying to destroy uh, local taxi industries. That was part of its mission for the first uh, few years. And uh, if you take the example, let's say, of Toronto, where it was highly deregulated, a lot of local politicians backed it. There's a contradiction there because a lot of local politicians backed uh, the push by Uber to enter into these markets from an ideological perspective, that this is the free market working against regulation. This is the free market uh, working up against uh, a corrupt, uh, old, undynamic uh, industry where Uber is cutting edge. Uber uh, represents the, the freedom of people to choose what they want. Uh, the question is, why was the taxi industry so regulated? And, and it's true, the taxi industry uh, is highly regulated, but that doesn't necessarily benefit those taxi drivers. Uh, 
So before Uber really entered the market, there's a great uh, piece about this in the New York Times uh, because last year there was eight suicides of taxi drivers uh, in New York City. In New York City, uh, and you actually had one taxi owner operator who uh, tried to hurt himself on uh, on live television here in Quebec, and so. Uh, because the taxi plates have a certain particular value uh, because they were put on the market uh, so a lot of taxi drivers would try to buy uh, plates or would seek loans to buy these taxi plates or medallions that would allow them to operate as the only way to have a retirement income because when you're a taxi driver there's no pension plan uh, you're not considered a worker even though you do work for somebody whether it be for the garage whether it be for the dispatch company uh you are a worker and and so once uber had entered the fray the value of these medallions or plates had plummeted to almost to zero uh and not only were they plummeted so in the case of new york a lot of these taxi drivers were coaxed uh by uh what was done what was figured out in New York was by financial arms not of the taxi industry but of the big investment banks that had specific uh, lending uh, vehicles for the taxi industry so they lured so sort of like what happened in the housing market they lured new immigrants uh, to get loans to buy taxi plates at exuberant prices uh, where they couldn't even pay off the interest of the loans. So once the value of the plates plummeted, uh, they still owed all of that money. Uh, so this is what was really a big cause of the of, of these suicides. Uh, not only that, you, you make more people compete with each other. So uh, if you're a taxi driver now, even forget if you don't own, if you're just, you rent out every day, uh, you're now forced to compete with uh, 30, uh, you know, triple the amount of taxi drivers that existed once before. And for, uh, so uh, people's wages are going lower. Uh, People's conditions are worsening in terms of their work. Uh, They no longer have a pension plan. And for a lot of the Uber... Pension plan is in like the medallion investment was sort of seen as the pension plan. Exactly. For, the, and, for the, the taxi license. And the contradiction is is that the cities, uh, one of their main sources of revenue has always been the taxi industry. So now you destroy cities' revenue. And for Uber, the long-term plan isn't about... Uh, uh, isn't necessarily about uh, the way we understand Uber now. Uh, they, they want to disrupt all our entire idea of, of transportation, right? So... Uh, in the U.S., uh, they're beginning to compete in terms of public transit. That's their aim, right? Is to be able to be a private market player within bigger forms of public transit. So operating their own buses, operating driverless, uh, driverless vehicles. Uh, uh, these electronic bikes now that are being operated. And so all of that isn't about the sharing economy or about the gig economy. But it's really about creating more precarious conditions uh, for working class people who are mostly immigrants, whether they're Uber drivers or whether they're taxi drivers. And what Uber drivers face is a whole other lot of issues 
and that are even more challenging to actually to organize around. Just quickly, I mean, this idea that the taxi industry is highly regulated and just sort of like the fact that whatever regulations do exist, each city is different, obviously, Mm. that those regulations didn't happen by magic. Like there was struggle to bring about those sort of like some conditions that protected the rights the working rights of taxi drivers in Montreal there was quite a few actions for the rights of taxi drivers particularly organized by the Haitian community in the 70s yeah so I mean you you have if, if in, in Montreal in particular you have you've had uh, you've had in the 70s you had the you know you even before that in 68 you had the Front de Liberation de Taxi um uh, you had the, the the strike by Haitian taxi drivers in the late seventies, and a lot of that is to to go after like scrupulous uh, lenders uh, to regulate to somehow to be able to regulate the wages uh, to create a sense of solidarity between drivers in the sense that uh, that uh, that the city can only issue so many plates because if it if it becomes if it issues too many then the wages obviously go down right so that drivers themselves begin to have some degree of control uh over their own uh over their own industry uh and to really be viewed as workers and i mean and you've had uh you know immaculate struggles in new york where you've had uh general strikes in the early 2000s uh uh, in Toronto, you've had in the 90s over the taxi regulation reform, uh, which introduced new whole uh, types of taxi licenses that uh, did not have any monetary value, that they weren't on the market and only the operator could actually uh, to, to drive that, but they wouldn't have to pay any fees. That would increase the wages of workers. So, uh, so and, and especially now, taxi drivers in, in Quebec... Uh, have made a huge effort. I think one of the most uh, uh, great campaigns uh, under with Bill Seventeen, uh, which is the complete deregulation of the taxi industry in Quebec. And so you've had a movement uh, since this winter, where taxi drivers are spontaneously uh, organizing disruptions at the airport, uh, in front of the National Assembly, uh, the downtown core, uh, city hall. Uh, and unfortunately with very little public support because I think people still have a misconception of the idea of the taxi driver and I think of the taxi industry itself and uh, you've had taxi drivers or people even from the Muslim community that have been able to thread the links between Bill 21 and Bill 17 uh, that essentially at the end of the day this affects people from the same communities uh that you know that it would be uncommon that uh maybe women uh, would be able to seek work in the public sector while their husbands would be taxi drivers this is not uncommon um it's also the fact is is that uh many drivers it's it's documented uh are either uh within the taxi industry or haitian uh from the haitian community or from the North African or Lebanese community as well. And so most of these workers and communities then are deeply affected by this law. So it's not just about the drivers. If your whole family invested in this plate, in this in this taxi, uh, 
then you're destroying the savings of whole families and of whole communities, uh, particularly immigrant communities. And so what? So for the logic, uh, for the Lego government uh, to be able to uh, to push forward their neoliberal agenda, those who become uh, again the most uh, uh, the most targeted by such policies. Uh, are the same communities. It's the Muslim community, it's the immigrant community, uh, to whether it be to show that deregulation in the free market uh, uh, dominates uh, Quebec society, ideologically, politically, uh, directly through Bill 17, or indirectly by scapegoating immigrant and migrant communities to shore up uh, their base, uh, their political base, which would then allow them to pursue the rest of their political agenda and maintain their power uh, in Quebec society. So, uh, and so I think the, the, the taxi driver struggles in, in Quebec have been immense. And like in other places, they're, they're becoming more politicized. So in New York, uh, you, had, you had the taxi strike uh, when Trump had actually introduced... Yeah. Um, the when Trump had actually introduced uh, the measure uh, to no longer allow people from uh, the seven mostly Muslim countries uh, to enter the United States, uh, taxi drivers blocked the entrance to JFK uh, Airport. Uh, you know, and even in Quebec, you still have taxi drivers talking about it publicly, trying to make the links between Bill 17 and Bill 21, right? Uh, from the Haitian community, from the Algerian community. And also, at the same time, the struggle of taxi drivers is deeply political. And it's not just simply about defending the taxi industry, why people should be concerned. It is about the future of our society. It's about the future of the way work is done and what is considered to be work. Because what's fundamentally changing about the gig economy uh, and what is... Uh, worsening the conditions of our life like Airbnb and all these other platforms is that now capitalists present it differently, right? Is that you exploit yourself. You provide uh, you provide the apartment. You provide the car. You provide the service. And yet they're the ones who continue to profit. So with Uber when your car breaks down, you fix the car. You uh, it's your car, it's your problem, even though you work for Uber. So uh, they're no longer, they're deeply no longer responsible, not just only for the work conditions, but for the actual, the material things that go into making the work happen. So as, a, as an employee, you do both. This kind of a form of, uh, of work uh, is fundamentally new and it's becoming... Uh, uh, normalized. So the fact is, is that the struggles of taxi drivers isn't about being a luddite, but it's about actually going forward, uh, and it's about the kind of maybe the the radical anti-capitalist politics we need to start thinking about uh, is really, uh, I think, embedded in the struggle between of taxi drivers uh, against the fight of Uber and. To, to be against Uber is not to be against Uber drivers. Quite the opposite. I think people need to, we need to organize Uber drivers. 
But then to say if if there's going to be fair conditions and fair wages, then there needs to be a conversation uh, between between the two between uh, taxi drivers and and Uber drivers. It's not about supporting uh, a large corporation like Uber uh, versus uh, maybe uh, you know larger uh, you know plate owning firms or uh, certain city bureaucrats. No, it's not about that. It's about um, making sure that communities are are able to work and live in dignity. Mustafa Hanawi, thank you. No, thank you so much, Stefan.